1: To get started, visit plushcarecom loss. That's plushcarecom loss.
2: Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hey Tim, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Go hit us. okay oh, hey everybody, this. come on Tim, let's do this. <laughs> All right, okay, here we go. Okay, I'm ready. ready. Go ahead. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready, ready right now. Are you ready? You're sitting comfortably.
3: All right. Yeah, hey, I'm Go episode. ahead.
1: You can start right now. Okay, thanks. Okay, anytime.
3: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 113 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Timitra, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Aaron Bay in, in Whitby, Ontario. Hello
1: there, once again.
3: And we also have Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Ribbon down in San Jose, California. Hello.
1: It's All a right. tough room, man. It is a tough room. Yeah.
3: Well, we've got to have material for the after show, right? Okay. All right. More like so, outtakes. Uh, yeah. Should we do the show? So mosey on through, yeah. So we have a few follow-up items. I don't know; they're at the bottom of the doc there, well, Aaron. Did we get any? Ask James, JC, other than that guy, Greg Keo. That guy.
2: No one other than Greg, but he does have uh, two have two items question. on there. Like w- number one is uh, who's writing Swift three full time, and are there any good Swift two to three migration stories?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. So I'm not. Um, I'm currently not uh, writing any Swift. 3, although I'm going to be dusting off the digital books here uh, during my uh, time off in between jobs and uh, right. seeing what's going on there.
0: I actually am writing a little bit of Swift 3, but it probably doesn't really count because I'm using it to do things using the Accelerate framework, which is pretty much a, a C uh, interface, not even an Objective-C for the most part. So I'm, so I'm using uh, Swift 3 as, as my app you know, main uh, front end, but, but I'm mostly a- accessing these calls. So can't really say it counts. Is this for
1: business or pleasure, Mark?
0: Uh, For right now, I guess it's pleasure. Okay, cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I've been updating some, some of my older, I had a couple of questions on our forum at Ray Wunderlich and, on some of the tutorials I've written in the past, and some people had had div- dove in and were finding that switching to Swift three was challenging them. So uh, started to go through the process of updating some stuff. And and one thing we discovered was uh, one of my tutorials uses the keychain, and and uh, we discovered we had to go in and set the entitlements for keychain sharing to in or in order to enable the app to have access to the keychain, which is very very strange, right? We have some existing apps that we had updated for iOS ten, and I noticed when I was running in the simulator. They weren't the... I like, had a little thing to remember, the password for a convenience uh, method for people and to use. I mean, for some reason, the simulator wasn't saving. And it just kind of, you know, fr- wrinkled my brow because even though it, it wasn't saving on the simulator, it was the apps on the app store and are saving passwords and all that kind of stuff. So, um, But yeah, it turned out that uh, that's one, one sort of thing, one gotcha that I've had so far, other than some of the syntax changes, which are kind of interesting. You know, um, it is a lot... More brief in terms of what you when you name things like you know NSUserDefaults becomes defaults and um, how the you know uh, f- uh, convenience functions and methods and stuff like that are are kind of are written out sort of make a bit more sense you know so yeah
0: the the method to to join uh, members of an array into a string looks like it's changed in every single version of Swift so far it was <laughs> <laughs> it was originally I think join uh, using Join components using, uh, but then it changed to joined, and now it's just joined parentheses, and then the then the uh, the thing you want to join it with.
1: That's what sort of the the hardest part for my my mind is, um, just the fact that it's changed uh, so frequently, yeah. so that I can't keep track of what is the actual syntax nowadays, um, and especially I'm jumping between uh, maintaining a Swift two point three code base and a Swift three code base. And uh, that is burning my noodle. <laughs> uh, I barely know yeah, what, yeah. what way is up anymore. Well, I mean, I'm switching from Objective-C during the day and then Swift 3 at
3: night, well, so yeah, it's, a it, yep. it's a challenge, too. Um, yeah, I keep forgetting to put semicolons in when I'm doing Objective-C and then vice versa. But yeah, I'm just looking at some of the methods that I've been writing re- recently. And they are they're, they're a lot like they've gotten rid of a lot of the redundancies. Like, you know, when you're doing an NS user defaults, you know, standard defaults and all that kind of stuff. Now it's just NS user defaults dot standard and then bool for key, et cetera, and stuff like that. So it's a lot more concise, I guess, more succinct in terms of, in terms of the phrasing, but it's a challenge if you've gone through the various permutations of Swift over the years.
1: That is true. And shall we leave aside Greg's second question, as it is grossly irrelevant? Yes. Shame on you, Sorry. Greg. Shame on you. Um, white and blue. Okay. Um, anyway, so <laughs> what else do we have here? <laughs> um, I knew that was going to come out. <laughs> um, hey, look, we got some follow-up from my two-week-ago Jeremiahd about the Mac dave rogers on september 26th so this is like a couple weeks ago now uh probably soon after we published i guess and i had not seen it until this evening uh agreeing with me about how the mac is somewhere on its way out uh and i i love it when people agree with me especially when everyone else doesn't so it's fantastic news um i think he makes some pretty good points uh, in support of my argument that the Mac is probably at nearing the end of its life, and uh, he he makes the Dave Rogers does he makes the point that uh, I think he thinks that office managers, IT managers, and those those large installs of PCs would be delighted to see the end of the Windows agenda oh, yeah, and desktop operating systems as they exist today. Um, I, I, you know. <sighs> Again... I think we can agree on the large points, but in terms of how things will be implemented, what will that future look like exactly? That's really anyone's guess. Uh, and I'm, I'm certain that Apple is testing this in-house right now and has been for some time, and uh, are probably iterating very hard on different ways to approach this problem, one of which is file systems that Dave mentions here in his, his comment. It seems clear that you know a lot of people don't do very much in terms of file management, and yet that is the predominant paradigm for dealing with files on a desktop operating system. Uh, Does Apple have a solution to that problem? Well, right now they have um, iCloud documents, which is, or started, if you recall, when it was first introduced a year or two ago, was just like a flat file. And basically it was application folders. So if you had, say, Pages, and it had iCloud documents, then that was stored inside the Pages folder, but it was otherwise a flat file hierarchy. But since then, they've uh, allowed you to put folders within folders, and, you know, so that's kind of a good thing. And so nowadays, you know, with Sierra in particular, we've got um, nested folders, and you can, you know, drop your stuff whatever way you like. Uh, of course, most people are just going to do a flat file system. Is this the future that Apple's looking for in terms of file management? Shrug. Don't know, but we'll see. Um I also, like while we're on this topic, uh, to bring up the other bit of feedback that we got more recently, a fellow by the name of Jamie West uh, dropped a little bit into my Twitter feed today, October 5th, and he was also agreeing with me. He thinks that the Mac is on the way out, so he's obviously a man of great distinction and intelligence, but he approaches the problem uh, a little differently, and I really like where he's going with this. Uh, So basically... He's looking at the universe of, of Apple operating systems and sees how we have an iOS, which was like the first new OS, if you will, with UI kit and all its modern conveniences for doing UI. But then we've got watchOS and tvOS, all based on the same core, um, but using different interaction or UI paradigms and built with their own frameworks for letting users interact with them. And he thinks that there's no reason that if the Mac is going away as we know it, that it wouldn't be replaced with, you know, obviously the same core of, of the operating system, but its own UI paradigm that's brand new, um, whether it's called UX kit or what have you, who knows. But the idea is that uh, we would have a modern programming environment to program in uh, when we're building apps for this, whatever you might call it, this new Mac and I think that was very interesting and, uh, and quite feasible, I think, because that does seem to be the way Apple thinks about these things. You've got this OS X core. And like what Mark was saying, if you go back to that show, and he was, he was saying that, no, this can't happen because it's really all semantics anyway, uh, Mac OS and iOS, they're basically the same thing. At their core, of course they are. They are the same. They're all based on OS X, this Unix underpinning, um, but it's the frameworks built on top and AppKit and the whole, uh, how, how you say in English, uh, <laughs> the, the old paradigms that we have for developing on the Mac with all of its, uh, you know, very old and very uh, not, not recently updated stuff uh, could all be swept away and replaced with something new like what we have on iOS and watchOS and tvOS. Um, so that's where I thought that was a very interesting response.
3: Yeah, at it. I did. I did watch the. Uh, I read through the article, but I also watched uh, a bit of that talk, the Fireside talk. He's, I think his clip on on his link here starts at the point he's making about what Tim Cook says he doesn't believe, like answering the question about whether we have one operating system for all, one ring to rule them all, but um, about the fact that that they do see Apple does see the PC as you know we call the Macs and the mobile as um, different uh, paradigms for com- computing and. Um, I think I mentioned that before um, and, and Apple said that before we talked about, I mean, we had a presentation from at Taco a, a while ago and one of the guys from who's now an evangelist had said that um, Apple doesn't like hybrid solutions like having a, you know, a, a system that would plug into a monitor and become a Mac or, you know, be a mobile phone when it's not plugged in kind of thing. Um, Because both of those kind of degrade the experiences of the the other, right? And that's what um, Tim Cook sort of said about having one OS that would run multiple devices, right? In that sense, you know, because I mean, the iOS has strong points on on that on the um, the phone itself, and the Mac has you know multiple. The Mac has a lot of baggage, admittedly, but it has the experience of working in multiple things at at, this, at a single time. I was interested, though, when he if you read further into his story about how he likes how um, iOS gives him some focus because he's able to work on one uh, app experience at a time, and if he needs to go somewhere else, he can switch back and forth. And I'm that reminded me of the days of working uh, when MultiFinder first came out, which used to crash constantly. So you would really only run one application on a Mac at a time, and mm-hmm. you would switch back and forth. And there were third-party utilities like where you could switch back and forth. And and the Mac had, back in those classic classic, I'm talking I'm talking System Six, System Seven days. Um, they didn't have a good way of of copying or moving folders and moving files and renaming files. You had to always, you always had to go back to the Finder and do all that kind of administrative stuff right so and so his piece about you know having this sort of single view uh, of the world just reminded me of the horror days of working on classic os
1: yeah so. that's I, he kind of lost me at that point when he started talking about uh, using some kind of focus based uh, modality to get around in different applications and managing files uh, that did not seem likely to me at all <laughs>
3: Yeah, there are some apps I know that, that writers use. I can't, can't remember the names of them, but there are some apps, like when you want to write and you want to just turn off the whole world and it turns off your notifications and just gives you one view, you know, kind of like looking at a terminal and just, you know, doing the act of writing, as it were. Sure, let's focus there are apps mode to apps do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's not
1: what we're talking about here. Like, no. that, that's a nice feature in an app, but it's not, a, it's not, it's no way to run an operating system. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I thought that was a very good point. Uh, good to read it kind of tails off but uh, <laughs> the first point is excellent um mm-hmm. so that's my fu on that um i noticed while i was here in the uh comments from last or two weeks ago episode 111 uh someone else also wrote to ask about the airpods uh christoph von Dachy. yeah um i just wanted to respond to that quickly because uh i think it's got some incorrect assumptions here and you know if someone's wrong on the internet tim <laughs> You have Um, to correct them? Got to correct them. (laughs) That's what we're here for. We provide a service. Uh, So Christoph was saying that AirPods are actually using Bluetooth while he was expecting a different, more proprietary wireless protocol. And uh, while that's true, uh, that isn't actually the source of the secret sauce here that makes the AirPods so compelling. Uh, It is, in fact, the stuff, the proprietary stuff around uh, pairing and setting up and configuring it as well as the stuff around uh, the operation of the of the headphones at the earphones whatever you want to call them with the tapping to bring up Siri or to pause to uh, the sensors on it that uh, pause your playback when you remove a single pod from your ear when you've got the other one in um, that sort of thing. It is, as he says, it's just marketing. It is not just marketing. Whether it's worth $180, as he says uh, in Canada, it'll be more like $230, uh, <laughs> uh, is up to you. But uh, to my mind, there is some crazy-ass new stuff in here that's going to make it worth worthwhile. And something that I think a lot of other vendors are going to be chasing themselves to replicate very soon.
3: Well, it's true, and, and they were talking about some of that technology that are putting into the AirBuds going... AirBuds? Is that what they're AirPods. called? AirPods.
0: Uh, AirBuds. AirBuds is the dog that... Yeah, yeah, that's right. right.
1: Yeah, I've been looking okay. at AirBuds <laughs> all the time lately, working on my apps. Anyway,
0: so... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to anyway. bet that they still won't fit in my ears, though.
1: That's the big yeah. question. <laughs> that is the big question, Mark. Yeah. You got that right. Yep. yep. Yeah. I'm going to spend $230 to find out, though.
0: Find out, yep.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, i did i did hear a review by one of the reviewers who was at the you know the unveiling and all Susie oaks. Stuff in the oaks yes right you mentioned her on the show that's I right did. yeah and she tried them out and she said she has ears that they generally don't stand and she was jumping around and uh, so, they seem to stand so
1: who knows yeah to my mind this is the big sleeper hit of the year for apple uh those airpods i'm very excited about them uh, and so they'll become available for order at the end of this month and i will be first in line all right at some point we should also mention uh
3: i think i put down there that about chris stott being at uh, CocoCon for i guess it's in san jose and Su- swiss summits in san francisco coming up in november right guys well, know? So- sounds yeah. like you just did i don't know anything about this of
0: course. i think that's right yeah
3: <laughs> okay all right anyway, anybody I'm coming to coco
0: conf in san, in san jose
3: well apparently chris stott from B- buddy well. <laughs> one <of the> co-founders
2: <laughs> yeah unfortunately it's not it's not good timing for me because i'll have yeah been on my new assignment um, what 3 weeks by that point.
3: Can't start can't start showing up late yet, eh, right?
2: Yeah, they generally frown upon you just disappearing at random intervals until you've built up a little bit of credibility to begin with.
3: Yeah, that's okay. Cool.
2: Yeah. And and then we'll have the the little splice in there to make Greg happy that says uh and now a word from our sponsors.
1: Searching for a new job can feel stressful, scary and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters, try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. Sometimes you'll go all the way through an interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. But then there's Hired. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. Over a four-week time frame, you receive personalized interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about which opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Throughout the process, your dedicated talent advocate will have your back, providing unbiased career coaching to help you put your best foot forward with potential employers. Hired offers access to 4,000 and more innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. We help people find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Just let us know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance to us. That's why Hired hides your profile from your current and past employers. The best part, it's always free for you to find your next job on Hired, no exceptions. We pay you to get hired. Today's listeners can earn double our normal $1,000 hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right, earn $2,000 for finding your next chapter on Hired. Just go to the URL www.hired.com slash more than just code
3: I was actually going to bring that up and I did put it on the notes that um, our friend of the show Greg Heo sometimes host sometimes friend of the show commented <laughs> that it sounded like we were promoting what was it the buddy build at the same time as we were talking about the appearance of dennis at at uh, taco and those were mutually exclusive events it just so happened that they ended up on the same show unfortunately oh so he's
1: saying that there appeared to be no separation between church and state here that that my read was editorial content
3: Right, and you, and normally, just for those of you driving at home, we um, sometimes we will do the ad read live with Aaron reading it live, and then we'll have a bit of a banter about it afterwards. and And in the case of Hired, for instance, one of the one of the things we can say about Hired is that I've used it as a service, and so has Jaime, right? And Jaime, in fact, you know, managed to
2: find a new gig, I believe, out of that, right? Indeed, that was my most recent um, change, or soon to be upcoming change by the time this episode comes out. I uh, had a really good experience with it. I've I've used it before, I used it uh, this time, and they've actually improved the product quite a bit where they have online tools that will help you to sort of avoid the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with recruiters and hiring managers to figure out an appropriate time. Just simple things like calendar availability is, is huge. And I've given them some feedback on how to make the product better, given my experience. So they're super cool and really open to that. So I really enjoy that. But newsflash, you're changing jobs. Indeed, yeah, um, yeah. I've uh, accepted a position with a, a different company. They're uh, they're called Simple down in Portland. Uh, I'll be remaining the, the, in oh my, my humble God. abode in the Seattle area. So, right. I'll be fortunate enough to work remotely. The bank, indeed. Uh, millennial banking is probably the easiest way to quickly describe it. It's a oh no, it's they a sound branch, like they have branchless a, bank, right? Where everything is done through the app. You know, they they have customer yeah. support, but you don't like walk into. Uh, an office somewhere to get money out or make deposits or do any of those other things that you normally do
3: yeah so the new buzzword is fintech you know financial technology or something like that effect Mm -hmm. and that's what the my My spend thing i was talking about last week was covering but yeah so i guess we're going to be talking a bit more fintech maybe (laughs) as we move forward right
1: yeah you need to get those guys to come to canada jaime i've been following them since they've launched and uh, i find their product very interesting I'm I'm not a millennial, I'm older than that, but uh I find I find millennial attitudes agree with many of my own.
2: <laughs> right. And so, that's 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 I the really thing care. where uh, you know there's certainly gonna be folks who prefer having um that real person experience. I've I've got friends and family that do um you know bank teller jobs and particularly folks who um you know are are older tended to be the ones who like, you know, they come in on a you know a couple of times a week and they they sit and they chat they talk they do all sorts of things that i think are great so that customer service side is, is fantastic but i think there's a generational difference here where for someone like me i'm like yeah I, I really don't want to talk to anybody i i just want to go to the machine get something out of there really quickly you know no fuss no must sort of thing so i think something like simple and, and other um companies doing these sorts of things uh you know, having something that's accessible for both is great but i think the future will be much more towards the uh, everything is digital and everything is quick and seamless rather than the multiple touch points experience yeah i think <laughs> yeah
3: well you know it's it's been a long time coming i've had a i've had a bank account like a access to a bank machine since 1979 when I started uh, university and I used to work night shifts at a lot of places. So I do my banking at three o'clock in the morning in the back in those days. So I can't imagine like, and I so I, I loathe going to a brick and mortar place ever since then. So, and, and I can't imagine what people who've grown up with access to, you know, app, f- banking apps and, and, uh, ATMs and online banking, you know, feel about going and standing in a line like a like an animal,
1: you know, I have to do that like every two weeks when I get paid. Um yeah. it goes into a US dollar account then the only way to get it into my Canadian business account is to walk into the branch and have a teller wow. do it. It is painful. Wow. Yeah. Now every time hmm. I'm there I'm like, okay, let's go through this giant pain. Yeah. And yeah. they they can't even look up my account numbers. I have to actually tell them my account numbers. Wow. Really? <sighs> oh, yeah. It's so bad. That's crazy. It is yeah, crazy. So, I
3: mean, <laughs> well, so, I mean, and, and just on that same subject, I mean, like, I can't, if if somebody sends my company a check, right, I can't do the mobile depositing. I actually have to go to the bank like an idiot and stand in line. Oh, yeah. And, I've never had to. And, or, or to a machine, at least. And, and, uh, and back in the day when Mark was working for me, you know, um, I would... The first time you know we talked about going into the bank and doing a transfer because I think the mark if you correct me uh, or if you can rec- recall what we were talking about is that they would charge you four, six, ten percent or something to change the money from Canadian or into american yeah the, the service stuff.
0: we were originally using was uh was pretty exorbitant for a, for a conversion fee, so I just dropped around I found the 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 lowest fee was actually to walk into the bank where I had an account and, and get it done there.
3: Yep. So I again we were talking about Swift codes last week and yeah. I used to transfer money with Mark Swift code and bingo bango he got his cash, right? So
1: Yeah, but they still charge like this crazy amount for doing a wire transfer. That's true. That's true. That's true. It's yeah. like thirty bucks. Yeah. And it's stupid.
3: Well, I remember back, I have an, I have a Tangerine account from a 1,000 years ago, which used to be called ING Direct. You guys probably have them down there. But I opened that because at one point I had a mortgage at a different Canadian bank than where my paycheck was going into, and the only way to transfer money was to transfer it via this uh, Tangerine and wait 10 days for that to clear and then transfer it into the other bank. It was oh, yeah, a real yeah, pain in the ass. Well,
0: do, do you guys remember the early days of iOS where Apple required you to have a, a swift number... An account oh, with a Swiss because they would do a wire transfer and charge you that exorbitant fee every single time. So if you were only wow. making Yikes. you know thirty bucks a month on your on your apps and they were charging you a thirty dollar a month fee, wasn't uh, wasn't really much for profit there.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Hmm. Oh well, banking, fintech, the worst. And that's why I'm excited about simple um, and banks may be more like that because uh, essentially what they do is they. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jaime, but I'm pretty sure this is how they work. They um, they actually do business with other other banks, and so they'll have like a system set up with like any other given bank and have checking and savings accounts, whatever products that they happen to sell. But they put a front end in front of it that the so like you might say have a, a Bank of America account, um, but it's through Simple, and you never see that.
2: Right. I'm not particular in, in, in the scenario that you're talking about, but um, I'm sure I'll learn more during my my first day with orientation as to more specifics around things like that. Um, the, the general idea is that they are trying to be, you know, make things as seamless and easy as possible and uh, working with other banks. So they actually end up, I think, somewhere in one of their blog posts, they said that, you know, they make money off the interchange. So they, you know, they get value when you actually use your money. So making it easier to... You know, Transfer funds to other people, like uh, Venmo style, is uh, one of their things. So, right. and, and they're backed by uh, BVVA Compass, the, um, the Spanish company. Again, I'm sure I'll learn a whole lot more about what's going on there. Uh, it was a really cool, interesting uh, team when I met with them. And uh, seems like it'll be a fun gig. I'm uh, using the app right now and, and sort of getting myself acquainted with it. iOS? Sorry, I was, was that a question? Was a
1: question? It was a question. I was iOS question mark.
2: Uh, yes uh, i'll be working on the uh, ios team
1: fantastic good congrats let's talk protocol buffers man Jaime brought this to our attention this is kind of an fu i think because yeah it
2: it probably does fit in more to last week's episode where we talked about protocol buffers um also informally known as protobuffs uh last time i think the cool kids call it that yeah it's easier than saying protocol buffers it's quite lengthy um yeah Totally. In this case, uh, it's a blog post by um, by IBM, Swift at IBM's uh, official blog post, uh, Robert F. Dickerson. And uh, he's talking about how to use protocol buffers or protobufs in your Kitura apps. Kitura of course, being the uh, Swift web framework. And they give a real good example here of um, the hows and whys you might want to do that. And in the example that they go through, it steps through accepting... Um, either json or protobuf uh, as a format and and some of the easy examples there um i think they're doing like a like a library sort of setup where you can accept a book and do so forth uh and they also helpfully show you uh doing that uh from the requesting side as well um using uh postman in the uh, examples they're giving about how you would go about requesting the binary protobuf or getting back json you know adding a book by sending json and so on and so forth so Pretty easy read. shouldn't take too long to to go through. Um, I didn't try out the code myself, but it looks pretty easy to follow along with as well. So there you go. This is uh, maybe the hot new thing. I think with with Swift, it might be the uh, the peanut butter to your jelly.
1: Yeah, that's right. I actually uh, a couple weeks ago after after I talked about proto on the show, I uh, spent some time on the following weekend playing with this stuff and uh, took Katura and Perfect and Vapor. Those three different Swift web application frameworks for a spin Um, remarkable how similar they are they are so similar i don't know that you could really go wrong choosing any one of them if you felt you had to choose one Um, so they're all good Uh, katura very nice with support from ibm and uh, you get stuff like this you know when an important new technology comes out as protobuf is i believe uh getting uh Katura's team to write about it is terrific. Uh, so I, I did something very much like this myself uh, on my own machine, set up a server and put together the protobuf file uh, to convert it, generate the proper model files, and then pass data back and forth. And your choice, you know, that's the beauty of this thing, right, is that you can use protobuf, but you can still communicate in JSON. Like even if one side of it's in JSON, um, your client side can be using the protobuf instead, and you still get the benefits of it. So, um, it is something that you can readily adopt, I think. So, uh, I really uh, i am a big fan so far. It's well, funny, sort of um, alongside this, uh, I believe we've talked about GraphQL on this show before. Does that ring a bell we did. for uh,
2: Yeah, <laughs> at least once or twice, I think.
1: Right. And so, um, I just want to not leave it off the table when we're talking about Protobuf because it's another alternative to sort of the same problem, right? Like, we're all, let's say that we're all invested in the idea of killing JSON just throwing it out there. And <laughs> Protobuf is a contender for that because it um it replaces the need to manage and convert JSON from, you know, these uh, untyped strings into model objects on your client side and, and on the server side nowadays with ca- things like katura Um and Protobufs solve that problem by uh, automatically on the fly ensuring that all your data is set up correctly. Um at, by the same token, uh, uh, GraphQL, which is a Facebook technology for uh, setting up communications between client and server, aims to solve the same problem. And I just saw someone on Twitter today saying, GraphQL is going to kill JSON, uh, or, or why would anyone use that? Um, and so, actually, I'm, I'm, I should back up a little bit because uh, GraphQL is not going to kill JSON, it's going to kill REST, <laughs> which um, which is like sort of a companion technology for getting data from a web server. Um So whether it actually does that or not is anyone's guess. But uh, I really like the idea of protobuf as opposed to GraphQL. Can you use both at once? I don't know right now. But uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on here in terms of client-server interaction. If you're you're a developer of a client-server type app, and almost all of you are, if you're developing, you need to be paying attention to all this stuff.
3: Yeah, for sure. Hey, Mark, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. You and I about, and you mentioned that um, proto buffs are generally safer than JSON.
0: Can you? Well, well they're, me uh, yeah, they're, they're, the whole they're point. type safe, right? That's that's one of the whole points. Is that is that with JSON, you can pr- it's pretty much a free for all. You can create a, a, yeah. a top level object and stick whatever you want in there and and send it. And uh, and if your client and your server disagree on on what's supposed to be sent or received then nasty things can happen, apps crashing and whatnot. So protocol buffers get around that by formalizing exactly what has to get set to do right. and enforcing it. It's a
2: broader right. topic. I, I am very curious, coming back to the, the one question you posed there, Aaron, is I kind of wonder what can be done with something like GraphQL in that it, it, with respect to something like a protobuf. So protobuf is trying to get a real uh, strict interpretation of things, right, for for, for safety, uh, type safety at the very least, right? But there's there's other aspects, uh, schema safety, very similar to what, you know, like XSD, I mean, XML had the ability to do that, right? But XML had other, you know, very verbose bits that went with it that were very problematic. Uh, and we moved to, to JSON, it was a lot leaner, a lot lighter, um, easier to read, if nothing else. Uh, but we, somewhere along the way, lost the ability to keep things um, strict, schema-wise, so I am very curious in that, you know, it's nice that GraphQL will let you be very flexible, but I wonder if there's a way to harness that flexibility in a safe way. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's beyond me at this moment to, to really understand how that would be done, but it would be really cool if it could be done.
1: Yeah. I was really going stream of consciousness earlier. And um, as I'm thinking about it even more, um, it seems that I've conflated uh, GraphQL with the transport mechanism, right? So GraphQL is to rest... Um, similar to how protobuf is to json right so protobuf and json are sort of you know the the data paths if you will um whereas graphql and rest are like the server-side mechanisms not sure if i'm using the right words to explain this REST
0: is kind of a more of a philosophy
1: right Right, it's it's Mm -hmm, not a
0: particular technology
1: right um but uh you don't use rest to communicate to a graphql server what you're what you're doing in that case is uh, basically sending a query to an endpoint with the fields that you want back. Um, and it's quite possible, and if not likely, if protobuf really takes off, that the GraphQL project could adopt protobuf as its transport mechanism instead of JSON. That's my thinking mm-hmm. as I'm just kind of bloviating about this right now. <laughs> Still a lot of interesting technologies uh, heading around the corner here.
3: Yeah, definitely something to look at, for sure, as you said.
1: Jaime, you want to talk about search ads?
2: Very briefly. This is a a blog post by uh, Lucas Peter, an independent iOS developer, and he came up with one of the earliest articles that I saw on the App Store search ads when it became available and and talking about his impression. So uh, at some point, I remember seeing this email from Apple about getting $100 of advertising money for free if you Hmm. go and activate the ads. Uh, I've not tried that myself, but it, it should hopefully still be available. Um, and in this blog post, Lucas talks about the a couple of different aspects of some of the u i like how you go about creating a campaign and some of the important things that go in there, like you're paying for uh or setting up your cost per tap, which is like the the bidding that you're doing to in order to sort of win whenever you know somebody is searching for some relevant keyword that you want to put your your app in front of and it's it's distinctly not paying um for install uh nor is it paying for display it's it's much more equivalent to uh, click you know cost per click uh, but there's that other factor that you use to put into the algorithm to, to try to tune it in your favor which is the cost per acquisition that's a, a goal for you hey i sure would like to spend no more than you know a dollar fifty um per acquisition but that may or may not be the case right that's going to depend on how effective your ad is at at getting people to you know download install you use the app uh let's see he followed it up with some of the things about um you know some tips on how you could find that and a little bit of algorithm that you could use to sort of you know back of the envelope try to figure out like well am i just going to lose my hat you know my shirt my pants my lunch. <laughs> Am I going to lose everything? Yeah. yeah Just yeah, dumping yeah. it all into here. Right. And you know, maybe if you're selling an app for 99 cents, you shouldn't have a, a cost per acquisition of $5. Just FYI pro tip there. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Small detail. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the concept of this is actually pretty exciting. Uh, I, I've done similar things using, you know, the, the, the big advertising engines like, you know, obviously Google and, and Facebook to try to drive uh, downloads and uh, it, it's a, it's a tough thing. They, they're they're very similar as far as I can tell in in how you set up the ads. Of course, you set a target and and keywords and all that, and and uh, and it tries to uh, get you that target price uh, if it can. Uh, but uh, the interesting thing about the App Store is that well, there's a couple of interesting things. One is since since it's Apple's environment and you have direct access to uh the the app store with the ads, there's it takes out this middleman of going through the web and redirecting to the app store. So so it opens up all sorts of interesting possibilities of this thing that I've been talking about for a long time that uh people like like Branchio do uh passing passing information through the app store installation process into your app, which is kind of a nice thing uh for for figuring out um where the user came from what the user's interested in what drove them to to click on that what what, what were they looking for when they clicked on when they did that installation if you have some of that information pass that into the app you can redirect them through deep linking inside the app to uh to the whatever the right place inside the app for the particular thing they're interested in is so that that's kind of an interesting thing uh it's it it, it kind of works with some of the third party uh libraries but it's it's really not super smooth in my experience so i'm hoping that with with it directly through the through apple it will be uh, a lot more seamless
3: so these ads are live now like i have not a chance to look at the stuff of the appearing in is this in the apps the iOS app store app for instance yeah, How yeah, it's supposed to be there. It's supposed to be live I today. Like, I, I have to that. take
2: a look.
1: Oh, live today. Okay, it might take a while to roll out. Especially in Canada. Maybe in Canada, because I'm just paging through the app store all over the place. And Dan, if I can find any of them, Right. I don't see any. Paging around and nothing's happening here, man. Nothing. Just a bunch of apps. i you supposed to pick an app. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll search on a keyword. Blue yeah, Jays. Let's yeah, try this live. Of the Blue Jays. Nothing. MLB. Yeah,
0: I just did that. Yeah, I, I I typed in a keyword and an ad popped up right there. What'd you type in? I typed in poker.
2: Right. I typed in baseball, and the ad is Tap Sports Baseball 2016. And funny enough, the actual first real
0: result is the same one.
1: Wow, that's nice. Um, must be US only.
0: So I typed in poker, oh, yeah. and and the ad at the top, which which basically looks the way it looks in the store, is very similar to. Just a regular yeah. listing that you get when it searches, except it's got a blue, a light blue background, and it says "ad." Uh, other than that, right. it doesn't look yeah. that much different from a regular listing. But it's at the top, and it's you know, and it's a different color. Right. Uh, right. So poker brings up my Vegas slots play free, whatever, whatever, whatever. Can
1: you put for. a screenshot in the chat, Mark?
0: I probably can. We're giving some free advertising to these guys, but uh, what the heck?
1: Sure. So yeah. uh, this article actually mentions this search ads are currently only for iPhone and only for the US storefront. Oh, oh
2: yeah, I I missed that update when I read this it was a couple days ago.
1: FYI.
2: Interesting. Man. So
3: I was looking in the somebody <laughs> was talking about stamps earlier and I checked the uh, wanted to see what was happening on the stamp front or the, the what do you call this thing, the sticker front, right? So I went into the the uh, i uh, messaging app and looked went to the store and the top trending or the top selling app right now is the Blue Jays stamp uh set or blue jay sticker set
1: that
3: would,
0: that, that would be in canada i imagine Right? obviously yeah. <laughs> i figured i figured
3: that would be the case right I, yeah. it's, curi- it's curious though i mean like that again that's that sort of you know a marketing by location kind of stuff right mm-hmm. so
1: yep yeah. see it oh you see what that that app you're talking about the blue jay sticker yeah, um oh. it's oh. just funny that uh it's so hard to get to the sticker store right like isn't that like so many yeah, steps yeah. it's crazy yeah Exactly. We, it took me a we, while well to remember how to do that. Yeah. How do you do it? Here's how you do it. You've got to go into messages. You've got to go into a conversation. So you've got to get to the point where you would be texting someone. And then you would go to the special app um, toggle thing on the left beside the text field. Choose the app one instead of the touch or camera one. And then you've got to hit the thing in the bottom left, those four little round wrecks. Then it pops up with all your apps, and the first option is the store. How many steps did I just say there? Was that five? That's crazy. And Tim has just sent me a sticker, which I can see on my Mac, but I cannot actually. Ooh, cat with lasers. Like that. Well, I see it, but uh, I could not send one back, of course.
2: Well, following along, I found that the apparently celebrities have really got into this. There's uh, the Kimoji. There's Stephen Curry. There's Michael Phelps. There's uh, Ellen DeGeneres.
3: As predicted too, the Disney app is one. Disney stamp sticker set is one of the top selling ones as well. Mm-hmm. Right. We're just gonna get we're gonna get eaten alive, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Cat paint, was hilarious.
3: I was gonna, I was just saying we're I said so the Disney app was the the number one sticker app on the app store, and we're just gonna get eaten alive. Like, that's the big boys are just gonna stomp all over us with their branding and their famous characters and stuff.
0: Well, as an aside, that that's the downside of search ads is the big guys with big budgets tend to be able to have the biggest ad buys and, and they uh, tend to dominate the, the ads. But it's <laughs> like that in every network. Yeah, that's True. I'm
1: pretty sure it's going to happen. Yeah.
0: But only okay, for the so... first
2: pass through, right? So the way they described it is like, you know, once I have the app, it's not going to show the ad again. Right, it it, it eventually ends at install. So once Twitter has it in, yeah, right. So once Twitter has convinced me to download their app, if I'm like, I want to find some other Twitter apps or apps that are useful for Twitter, I'm not going to see there. So their their budget is no no longer
0: useful at that point, (laughs) unless Twitter starts putting out ten different uh, ten different versions just so that they can keep uh, getting you clicking. Mm -hmm. Ah, no, that's an interesting loophole. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Twitter, has anybody heard the the rumors? What is the latest Disney? The latest is that they're on the on the sales block, and the big rumor oh, yeah. is that Google is going to be buying them.
2: Oh, so it's more solid now than than the the list of Google, Disney, and what Salesforce. I think were the serious contenders. Well,
0: yeah, I mean those those two are still in there, but uh, I'm hearing Google more than the others, which doesn't mean anything. But but uh, but yeah, it is it is kind of those three. Actually, I think I think it's Salesforce and Google in the latest. Uh, I'm not, I haven't heard about Disney lately, but, but that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah, the word is that the <laughs> their, their earnings report at the end of October is supposed to be pretty bad, so they want to get sold before that comes out. But again, it's all conjecture, all rumors, so I don't know anything.
2: Right. Hmm.
1: right. It's only to say that it's likely that big changes are coming for Twitter, yeah. Um, yeah. which is scary for me. Like my yeah. my water cooler, man. I can't see anything happen to it. Mm.
3: Yeah, no, you're right. It's, you spent a lot of time there. So, speaking of <laughs> big changes, though, can we talk about the Omni Group? Yeah. Why don't you talk about that, Tim?
2: Me. That is that is your, your item, your topic. Yeah. I Enlighten was, us on this, uh, what's going on here.
3: Well, <laughs> um, this, again, picked this story up earlier this week. Uh, as soon as I saw it, I thought it would be interesting for follow up for our show. Um, the Omni Group is moving to a new sales model. They're, they were kind of sort of the, you know, the, the, I guess I hate to say the word gold standard again, but of apps on the app store, um, because they sort of had the model, they had the really cool apps, uh, on the Mac app store and uh, on the iOS store. And a lot of people use their products and they've always sort of maintained, um, a professional level app price. Um, I think it was roughly Forty dollars for the iOS version of Graffle, for instance, and sixty dollars for the Mac version as well, right? And they've it's always, not more. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I'm lowballing it, but um, just sort of give you a sense of where the scale is, right? And they're not a five ninety nine dollar app, right? Uh, well I should correct that. Actually, this is an article by uh, Federico um, that announced that they are now moving to a free model where they're going to use in app purchases to uh, allow you to. Um, augment the free app and so i'm not sure what the mix is going to be in terms of um what like what what kind of feature set you get whether it's like a two-week trial or something to that effect or um, you get a you can't save or i I think i've run a demo copy of graffle to be honest with you when i first got into it i probably had it for about more than 10 years anyway um because it was great for doing flow charts and stuff like that and uml diagrams and um it was you know sort of a um it, it I think you couldn't save uh, the, the file. And so, you know, because I was using it a lot in my professional life, I, I forked over and, and bought a license, and I did one at least one upgrade of it. And I I don't use it all that often. I mean, I use it maybe, you know, two, three times a year, to be honest with you. But uh, but I've always thought of it as, as a great tool, and I, I like the way the, the app work runs. And when it came out on iOS, and it was, you know, back in the early, early days of iOS, and it was one, again, it was a $40 app. It was kind of like I went, whoa, you know, compared to other apps are out there but we've talked about the omni group uh being uh you know a professional level tool sort of the i guess uh, sort of a photoshop equivalent of an ios app and moving to this new model kind of for for indie developers or for developers who want, who are out there you know following our show it's it's a huge change in, in a pricing model that we've talked about in before you know, throughout all of our uh
1: episodes when we bring up the Omni Group, right? Well okay and what do like, you guys have to th- Yeah just hang yeah. on a second here. <laughs> um yeah. I don't think they're actually changing their prices. Um I think they're just changing when they charge you. Right. Yeah so, it's a fourteen day something or other yeah. No, no, like it's uh so the app is gonna be free. So the 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 whole point of this is to give them a way to charge you less for an upgrade. Right. Which is something that's not possible on the app store today. So, when you go and buy the app, uh, they can only offer the one price, right? So, instead of doing that, they're going to use in-app purchases to charge whatever they want, because that's what you can do. But as a consequence, of course, the app has to be a free download. So in right. that, Oh, I see. Right. Okay. Great. So, they, I don't know. They call it a two-week trial. I'm not sure why they do that. But, you know, because any app that you make available from the app store has to have some utility, right? So in their way of getting around it what they're basically doing is making omnigraffle uh the free version uh as a viewer it's a free document viewer so any omnigraffle document can be viewed with this free version but it's only when you pay for it that you get editing ability and maybe that's the thing i don't i don't understand how they're doing the free trial so maybe like they have all the features but how do they do that for just a limited time they must have some way of doing that
3: one of the important things about, about this as a viewer, that's a good point, is, is that it's one of the few apps out there that will open a, a Visio document on Mac as well. And a lot of Windows people make UML diagrams and stuff okay. like that and fire them around enterprises. You know.
1: Okay, so, so I think what they're doing here is they, they are giving like a two-week trial where they just basically start the clock um, when you download the app and choose the free trial version. And that's but they do of, have standard.
3: They're talking about having standard and pro-level yes, yes, pricing as well. Yes, of right?
1: course, of course. But I, just, I was just wondering how the free trial worked. Now, um, the, their standard and pro pricing. Now they, they cross out ninety-nine to make it forty-nine and one ninety-nine to make it ninety-nine. I'm not sure if that's yes, that's because they're detecting a previously installed version, and that's the upgrade pricing that they're offering. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they've dropped their prices. I think they're just uh, they just have a mechanism now to offer. 50% off upgrade pricing.
2: Right. It's a big change so, to the model, yeah. if not to the actual prices you'll ultimately pay. Um, exactly. With, with the biggest feature for me is the free viewer. Cause I don't really have the sort of job that, you know, sort of requires OmniGraffle. So it was really kind of hard for me to justify having it permanently. Uh, but now I can use it at least as a viewer for the rare odd random occasion that one of those documents comes my way. So that's nice.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I think this is this is a really smart decision. I think for Omni to make, and it looks like they're going to roll this out through all their products. It's a good way to go.
0: Well, one thing that's interesting to me is, as far as I know, we're not allowed to have a free app that stops working after fourteen days. We, being the average everyday developer, uh, and they are.
1: I think the way they're getting around it is by making it say like this is a free document viewer. Like, that's the functionality that's never going to change. Um, and th- I think that's enough to cross that bar. Is it on the
3: store now with the new pricing? Hmm. I think so. Yeah, see, I've always, I've, like, I bought their app long before they were, there was an app store. So yeah, they do in the app, If you I don't know if you guys run it or not, but it does remind you regularly that there's a new version or there's a pro version. And
1: Yeah, on the iPhone anyway, it's still the old one for $70 Canadian. Um, yeah i'm seeing on
3: the, on the uh app store i'm seeing or the mac app store i'm seeing one 139 canadian right so i guess it's not all, not live yet no but it's, it is for OmniGraphle 7 i believe the pricing
1: right yeah and 6 is still in the store so it hasn't launched yet at least not in canada Jaime <laughs> <Hi>, or mark <laughs> can confirm that it's launched in the states perhaps you can do that growing right, thing again i don't, I don't
2: <laughs> see OmniGraphle 7 here yet so i guess it hasn't launched um, no. So I don't know, Mark, maybe they'll be surprised when they go through App Store Review and they get told, no, 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 this thing you blogged about is not going to work. You're going <laughs> to have to change it.
0: <laughs> well, I've been digging in a little bit. So it looks like it, it, it's true that the the free to download is a viewer. And then you do a one-time in-app purchase at price tier zero. So it costs nothing. And that one-time free in-app purchase gives you 14 days of un- of full use and then it returns to unlicensed mode so yeah okay so that's kind of interesting so what you're what you're getting for in app purchase is just 14 days of full usage of the thing and that's allowed so you have the the viewer for free it, that's the that's a regular app that you download then you do this in app purchase that you can only do once that's a free in app purchase price tier 0 which is kind of a weird thing but uh, but it's it's a free in-app purchase that gives you fourteen days of full usage, and then I guess within those fourteen days or after those fourteen days, you can do what you could always do and just buy the full app. But but the thing that's new is that you get this this one-time fourteen-day trial period as an in-app purchase. It's kind of interesting. Yeah.
3: So I mean, the, the, I think the what it, what it, the reason I put this on here to discuss is that. Um, from my perspective, when you have an app that 's on the App Store, either app store, and it 's free you 're going to get a ton of downloads right um, that 's just the nature of a free app right um, when, and then compared to the current version of what they have like for instance, you know uh, the price is, the price could be a barrier to people sort of even trying out the app right back in the day before Mac App Store came along, you could download versions that would run for you know thirty days for instance there 's tons of apps like that, right um and you could decide within, those, within that 30 days whether or not you want to move into it. i mean i think briefs was was like that and and some of the other tools that i've used in in development trying out different things um i uh, can't think of the names of them right now paint code is the one that, that comes to mind um where and bb edit i think actually was was a, had a free version back in the day right um and you can do a limited amount of things with it but so I guess the discussion point was about changing from uh, um, an app that's paid up front to uh, using a free model or even an app purchase model to um, get their sales out. I mean, so I, does this is this a sign that even paid, paid up front apps are, are having difficulties? Or what do you think? Totally. And
1: very obviously. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's just a, a clever way to get around the inability to have a free trial period on the app store and it's very clever and it seems like it's legal
3: yeah Yeah.
0: because you you're you're downloading something for free that has the full functionality of this free thing then you are using an app purchase to buy extra functionality for two weeks and then that goes away and the thinking is that if you liked it in those two weeks you're just going to go buy the full one if you don't like it in those right. two weeks, you're not going to buy the full one. So, right, right. so nothing that you ever had for free is ever going away. You never have. You never had full functionality to start with. You had just the viewer functionality, right. and then the in-app purchase gives you extra functionality for a limited amount of time, and that's your free trial period.
3: Right. Right. So,
0: I'm not sure that this is is a is a sign of anything except that they figured out a way to get around this restriction in a Mm -hmm, clever way.
3: mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and presumably the conversion rates are, are are high enough that they think that they can, can do that. Right. So,
0: well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because, because, uh, otherwise you've just gotten the, if if you just download the viewer, that's no different than not buying the app ever. Right. You just have this few, this free viewer.
3: Right. Let me, let me do an ask MTJC question to you guys. Um, do you, do you prefer apps from, bought from the Mac App Store, or do you prefer to buy them directly off a developer's website? Which, which model do you prefer?
1: I definitely prefer buying from the Mac App Store. It's so much more convenient. And then I've, yeah. already, I've always got this one place to go to when I'm setting up a new Mac. Uh, just log in with my Apple ID, and all those apps are available for me to download with one, one button push. And yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's been terrific. I can go to the Mac App Store today and see every app I've ever bought there. Um, That's true. Yeah, with updates, you know, already ready to go. I think, yeah, yeah, I think for for customers, and especially laypeople, this is an unbeatable mechanism. Uh, It's just bad for developers, I think. Right. But it's great to see the Omni Group showing uh, one technique for circumventing one of the biggest drawbacks of selling in the App Store. Right, right, and
3: it's similar to what I was talking about a a couple of weeks ago with um, Curtis Herbert's uh, style of of selling slopes in that he you know uh, lets you have lets you have it for a day with full functionality a day or so Uh, because you know how often do people go snowboarding i mean i might go once in a lifetime or whereas some people might go every week or they might do season passes and so he had his model of of upgrades was based on a season pass or um you know uh, incremental upgrades along the way right so same sort of idea put it in front of people first and then convert them or not based on on their usage of it right
0: yeah, it's an interesting thing. They're they're big enough profile, high enough profile that Apple's certainly aware that they're doing this. So maybe yeah, this is certainly. maybe this is a sign of the the new enlightened App Store policy that we've been seeing for a while now and, and uh loosening up of some of the restrictions, which would be great.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Or it's like Apple saying, finally, somebody's figured out how to use our system to, you
0: know. Uh, <laughs> right. It's been there all along. This is what guys. we had in mind. What's wrong with <laughs> right, you people? <laughs> right, right,
1: right. Yeah. Mark, I'd like to hear you talk about your article that you posted about, not your article, sorry, but uh, about why I'm not a React Native programmer. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah, it's not about yeah. why I am not, but it's, a, it's an article right. uh, <laughs> that is titled Why I Am Not a React Native Programmer. And it's written by a guy named Ariel Elkin. Uh, and you can follow the link that'll be in the show notes and he did what looks like a pretty nice study uh, over several months of uh, you know of using react native and and his impressions on on pros and cons of actually using this as a development pro- uh, platform and uh the pros are sort of the the ones that we kind of know about um it's cross platform uh it's it's uh you know it's it it's makes for faster iterations because you don't have to launch go through the launch cycle every time um, because it's it's really doing it inside of a of a of a web view of some sort uh but he but he raises a couple of real interesting points about cons uh one of them w- one of them is sort of obvious that it's 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 got an uncertain future if if facebook ever decides that this is not something they want to support anymore then you're kind of out of luck because it's it's different than just some library that you that you you know, download the source code for and use in your app where if if, it, if support goes away you can always go dig in and and uh and make your own changes and, and just keep it up to date it's it's not as simple as that because it's built on top of all sorts of you know javascript core and all that uh and and a, and a giant library that's that's updating a lot uh so so if they ever if they ever stop supporting it it'll be bad for you that that's one thing um but uh, maybe that's not the biggest thing because, you know, we can assume that Facebook will be around for a while. But a couple more that are, that are pretty scary sounding. One is that it turns out you have to sign a, 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 a grant of patent rights document when you start using sure. this, uh, which basically says that if you ever... You're granted a license uh, to use this technology by Facebook as much as you want. But if you ever do anything... Uh, take any kind of legal action or 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 anything uh of that sort against facebook then they have the right to just turn that off immediately so so they could potentially use this as a weapon against you if they ever decide that they don't like what you're doing uh, which is which is kind of a kind of a problem um in fact the Hmm. the article made a point that a lot of companies or uh, the you know the supplying third-party frameworks or whatever are are particularly are are specifically not using this because their lawyers (laughs) are telling them don't use this because of this one clause so that that's possible problem the other the other problem that he raises which i think is a really valid one is it uses javascript and you know well well some people will say well that's that's a good thing a lot of people would say that's not such a good thing i mean javascript is an, an old language that's pretty unsafe um you know it's it's almost 180 degrees diametrically opposed to what swift is all about where swift you could almost say is a little bit too uh too busy keeping you safe all the time to the point where it's it's, (laughs) it can be frustrating uh javascript is completely the opposite they just do nothing you can do whatever you want and and uh yeah, and it's completely up to you to make sure that that everything is type safe and and safe at runtime. And and uh, there's there's lots of ways that that can go wrong. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting thing. So if if you have any interest in this in this uh, using this, this language or this platform, whatever you want to call it, uh, I recommend that you read the article. It's not a it's not a particularly long one, and it's it's actually got some good meat to it. So nice Ooh. job written by this guy.
1: It is. I, okay. I think, my theory, having read this article last week, was this whole point of this article was so that he could write up his hatred of JavaScript. <laughs> um, because if you look at the word count, you just said it's not that long. It is actually incredibly long.
0: And <laughs> well, but there's a giant cartoon and, and images and Yeah, stuff, there so is. So it's not but that long.
1: But, I mean, anyway. I, I'm, I'm on the page now, and I've scrolled down to his final argument, his final con against against developing with react native and my cursor uh, elevator thing you know the, the scroll thumb is at about a quarter mark maybe not even of the page there's about 10000 words here about how much javascript sucks and <laughs> it is significant like he has he has gone nuts on this there is no question about it well fair enough Absolutely, there's, a crucial downside lots, to switching. There's in. lots of
0: things not to like about JavaScript. That's for sure. Oh
1: yeah, and he's listed them. Like I have never seen such a, an exhaustive and comprehensive takedown of JavaScript. I've seen all these points argued in different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen it all together in one place before. So if if you guys uh, think to yourself that JavaScript hey, it's not that bad, come have a look at this. If, yeah. if for <laughs> no other reason to come to this article, come for the JavaScript takedown. It is astounding. And yes, it has cartoons. I really love at the end, though, at the very, very end, uh, he does these very nice graphs to illustrate the strengths of each platform. Mm-hmm. So um, he he's done this. Um, it's a diamond shape with uh, different um, attributes in each of the four points. Portability, safety, productivity, and longevity. And ranks them uh, to create a shape. The the larger the shape that in the diamond, uh, the, the better it is on all these fronts. And uh, React Native scores very poorly. It's highly portable. It's pretty productive, but it's not safe and it doesn't have much in the, in the way of longevity. Whereas something like a Xamarin and Appcelerator uh, score very high in all of those factors. And then Swift itself uh, looks well way better than React Native, but it's not at all portable or very not not very portable. I'll say. Uh right. so um a very interesting uh graph technique used in the bottom and I thought, you know, from an informatics standpoint, I thought that was very interesting too. So there's there's two solid reasons to come check this article out. I really enjoyed it.
3: But like, man, that's just your opinion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Big Lebowski reference. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yes, a Lebowski um, in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's just your opinion, man. And, and what was the name of the fellow he was talking to? Uh, let me just. Was he talking to Walter? No. No, no. It was the, it was
3: the other bowler. Yeah, the the uh, John Turturro character.
1: Jesus. 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 He mm-hmm. licked his bowling ball, mm-hmm. and that was really gross. Um, okay, I, I I think we've covered most everything. We, do you want to have do we picks? Sure. fire,
3: yeah. We didn't talk about Google Pixel. But I guess we don't need to, right? Google Pixel. So please. You, you,
2: th- this this changed a little bit during the the, the week. Um, oh no! You originally had one that was a a leak pick, which I think the Canadians were to blame. Uh, For that one, (laughs) I can't remember if it was Bell or Rogers. No,
3: I I heard, I heard, I heard it was somebody in Europe. Actually, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were there were multiple. There
2: was an American one as well. I think it was like T-Mobile or Sprint. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, but the Canadians were leading the way on that one, where we had the first official like this is the actual advertisement for come into our stores and get two hundred dollars off when when you trade in, blah blah blah, sort of thing.
3: Right. Yeah. The reason I changed it was because obviously I think it was yesterday it rolled out. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so we we know I mean the leak part of it is the fact that it leaked I guess is a story about but the details are we all kind of sort of know them now, right? So
2: Yeah, yeah, the the Pixel and the Pixel XL phones um manufactured by HTC but designed by Google in oh, really? California. Ooh. Um they they're official and uh you know, they seem like like pretty nice phones. They're uh in that iPhone class and, and price. Um there's some give and take on on, on where they line up. Um comes in three colors, uh, you know, the, the, I forget they had some silly names for them, but it's like black, black, silver, and blue, um, which I think was a, a, a good choice in terms of going forward to give blue uh, again. However, I think the blue that they chose looks weird because it's a very uh, solid, um, flat blue, and I think I would have liked to see something more like the, the iPods, if you remember, when those started coming in different colors and it had kind of a like a satiny finish to it. Uh, I certainly would like to see some some color diversity in the iPhones myself.
1: I didn't like the look of those phones at all, to be honest with you. Um, when you look at the back and it's got like a matte panel and a and a glossy panel, sort of mashed together, it doesn't look like it it's well designed in that sense. Uh, I was I was not won over by those at all. And then you look at the That's front, like- and it's like you're looking at an iPhone six. Like, does it not look like an right. iPhone to you? It it very much is a round wreck thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Some features like the, what is it? 75% charge in only 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Something crazy like that. I mean, that's, that sounds great. As long as it doesn't explode. um, I'd I'd love to see that become a standard (laughs) thing for phones. Um, And of course the, the, the bigger thing is that it's uh, fully integrated with the Google assistant, right? Like, like full on, they're much more active version of Google now, and, and, and much closer to Siri competition that they're sprinkling and everything um, that came out with their VR stuff. They came out with the uh, upgraded Wi-Fi router, the upgraded Chromecast, and of course, the Google Home, the Amazon Echo competitor, which is heavily predicated on, on the assistant and the um, coming up in December actions on Google, which is the equivalent of the Alexa skills kit, lets you uh, write your own stuff for it. Did you mention the free photos? No, he didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did forget about that. That That is one key differentiator in that, you know, you're $649 US. Um, however, you end up matching things with, uh, you know, one-to-one with the iPhone. Uh, this is one area that Google clearly wins in and that they give you that unlimited... I, at the very least, it was photo storage. I couldn't find out a, a really good solid article if it was video storage as well. Hmm. But hey, I mean, it's like, You know, not free for anything uh, reasonably sized on the iPhone. So uh, I'm hoping this causes a little bit of competition and and, uh, drive to the bottom in pricing for this online storage.
1: I agree. I hope it does. It's going to depend on whether this has any traction at all. And I think that's the biggest question with this Pixel phone line. you know, it's great that Google is taking a larger hand in building its own hardware, but I'm not sure that consumers care necessarily. Like, Will they see a difference between a Pixel and a Nexus? Um, that depends on how Google markets and sells this thing and whether they're serious about it or not. T- to date, they really haven't
0: been. Well, they've never been that good at, at hardware. Uh, they've demonstrated that again and again, that they don't, they don't really have the, the corporate DNA to do hardware well. Doesn't mean they can't develop it, but uh, last time they tried phones, it was kind of a mess because of the distribution, right? They couldn't, they couldn't sell it, right? Yet you, you, you bought it online, and there was no—if if it was broken, then it wasn't clear how do you, where do you take it to get it fixed, and how do you get it replaced, and just lots lots of issues around that. Absolutely, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, and you can't take for granted the power of the Apple Store in yeah. the iPhone yeah. success. Yeah, really is astounding. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I wonder if this daydream view is just uh, a fancy cardboard viewer. Yeah, it, looks it, like is, it's, it is. It's it's a <laughs> it's a cloth in
2: neoprene. Yeah. I think looking yeah. thing that's. Um, I mean, it's not like it's going to do magical things. Um, it's it's cardboard. It's a fancier, nicer cardboard. Uh, much much nicer cardboard um, with the uh, remote control, like the the Nintendo Wii style um, access control i don't know it, it, that one seemed okay i mean they, they want to bring vr much more front and center and, and of course make it tightly integrated with their their ecosystem they i don't know they, what did they say hulu um netflix and somebody else, hbo probably is escaping me as being somebody who who's making vr uh content for the daydream system or standard um sure i mean why not uh, <laughs> the, the big uh,
0: question that i have does it have a headphone jack Yes so the, the <laughs> Pixel the Pixel does I'm in fact have a headphone specs jack. Specs
2: right and it, now. It's on it's on the damn specs, which is, is. which is humorous. Um because y- the one thing that it, it doesn't have is uh you know, water resistance. Mm. Which which it got taken um to task for by the Verge recently. Mm. Have you guys does been
1: burned add? yet by not having a headphone jack on your iPhone 7s? Nope.
2: No. So I, I tend to use, um, so when I listen to audio, I'm usually in one of three different modes there is, uh, in my car. So while I'm also driving at home, um, and I do use the, the one free adapter they gave me, I use to, uh, plug into the audio jack, uh, on my car. So that's, that's that one. There is the, Oh, I just have it, you know, propped up somewhere you a kitchen counter, uh, and I didn't, for whatever reason, didn't feel like I was going to be listening to audio long enough to connect it to a Bluetooth speaker. So I just like, yeah, whatever. Um, just play the audio through the, the phone itself using the, the double speakers. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, there is of course connecting to, you know, something like my echo, which is connected to uh, a larger speaker system. So I'll just stream something to that. Or the fourth one that now that I think about is it, more than three is my Bluetooth headphones. So no, like uh, an audio jack is, is nice. It's great. Uh, I don't, you know, I wouldn't have to differentiate between, oh, you know, this lightning jack headphones is the one I absolutely need to take with me on the train when I head down to Portland relatively soon. If I even do that at all. Right. Uh, Other than that, it's really not that big, big a deal. I think it's a lot of consternation over nothing.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost exactly the same as you, Jaime. I have the same use cases. Um, the, the, my only problem is that I have one car where I plug in by audio jack, and yeah. I keep forgetting to take the adapter out of the box from my iPhone and put it in that car because it's the only place that I ever go where I'm in that situation. So when I'm driving that car the last few days, uh, last few weeks, I guess, I've been having to listen to my iPhone speaker like some kind of filthy animal. <laughs> other than that, it's been fine. I got to get that adapter in the car. Question: So, do you,
3: uh, somebody asked me this the other day, and uh, does the Lightning uh, headphones work on a another phone running iOS ten like like a six or something like that? A six plus would it work?
1: Oh, I'm sure it, it would
3: because I think Phil was saying it was a it's a digital
1: port, the Lightning port, right?
3: Yeah, like no, it audio, should definitely video, work. Whatever.
1: Yeah, it should definitely work. They've been selling lightning connecting headphones since before the iPhone 7 came out. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah. So, huh. this is not a new thing. It's just that Apple includes one in the box now.
3: Well, that's true and a lot of a lot of um um accessories like for radios and things like that that have a lightning port on them that's all they have it's funny though we saw saw a friend of mine show me a picture on reddit today where uh this chinese hotel chain had these these uh radios you know alarm clock radios and they had the 32 pin connectors well they just upgraded them to lightning port with a you know analog headphone jack right beside it so you can't even use it with the new phones perfect
1: you want to do pics sure let's do Cool. Gotta I got a pick. I got um, right, a pick. It's a game I've been playing on the Apple TV, and now I don't normally uh, choose games as my picks because, let's face it, I don't play a lot of games. However, on the Apple TV, I've been really enjoying this game called Sky Force 2014. I can't provide a link to it, uh, but with the Apple TV app store being what it is, so you need to go to the app store there and search for Skyforce, and then it'll come up. I think the game is something on the order of 5 or 6 dollars. Um but it is terrific. It is a very cool uh shoot 'em up game in the style of uh 1942. You remember that from the 80s? Um the arcades. You know, when you're yes. a plane and you're shooting other planes and it's fun, uh, except, you know, it's more, more modern uh, and it's a lot of fun. You get a Nimbus controller like uh, you can play this with your controller, the Apple TV Siri remote. You can play it with that, uh, but it's way better. And if you've got like the nice controller, uh, which is the Nimbus Steel series, which I have, and it's just terrific. Um, I can put a link to that one in the show notes. But this game's just a lot of fun. Uh, you're a ship. You can get stars, which you use to purchase things. Uh, there's no IAPs. You just pay once right up front. Good graphics, great music. Uh, shoot up all the things that you see there. Try not to get hurt. Get bonuses and, uh, and advance the levels. And it's just a lot of fun. So Skyforce 2014 on the Apple TV. That's all I got to say about it.
2: All right. Okay. Cool. Classic. Yeah, um, just a lot of fun. Hell style game.
1: Definitely.
3: All right. Jaime, how about you?
2: Yes, uh, just a single one. And it's more of a uh, tip than it is a pick. And this one comes to us via um, Twitter. Um, Not directly to us. I just happened to notice that Russell Ivanovic, who is over from Shifty Jelly, the maker of Pocket Cast and etc. And it's a way to make the iOS simulators console logging great again by stopping it from logging like crazy where it shows you all sorts of stuff that you really don't care about, uh, when you're trying to find your log statements. So if you've ever run that and you see all sorts of crazy things, like what UI views are doing and other bits that just seems like everything has gone insane. Um, you can go into your environment variables and set OS underscore activity underscore mode as uh, disable. And that will clean things up. I see here in his uh, Twitter stream that, that people were, Reduced to to debugging like animals and, and doing things like having macros that pre-pended their logs with emoji so they could filter the damn thing on their own emoji <laughs> and see their own logs. Like th- th- that's no longer necessary. You can just set this one setting, and I'm hoping that Apple sets it back to normal uh, or as it once was in subsequent builds.
0: This was crazy that Apple set this out as the default. I can't believe they did that. Actually. I just can't. I cannot fathom
1: how this made it through. I i i. I Figured it was fine for the beta process, but when GM came out, yeah. I, 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 that's all. That's the only reaction I could have. Yeah, we implemented <laughs> this on our team. Uh, like when this tweet came out a couple weeks ago, and oh, so much better. I don't know what Apple was thinking.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's one, of those cra- one of those crazy ones. Uh, so I don't know if anyone from Apple listens to the show, but uh, just shame on like you. the radar. Consider the radar. Use this one or. If you're gonna make other things default, hey, just turn on zombies by default. I, I think that'd be a much better default.
1: Yeah, for sure. Good pick, though, yeah. If anybody doesn't know about this already. Wow. Good. You gotta pick Tim? I actually don't. Ah, cool. Well, let's uh let's shut her, shut her down. Give the money back to the shareholders.
3: Shut her down. Alright. So. <laughs> <sighs> Dell joke. Man oh this man. Never gets
1: old, I'm telling you.
3: Okay. All right, that's it for the week. Aaron, if people want to get a hold
2: of you on the interwebs, where would they look?
1: Go to the Twitter machine, at Aaron Bay.
2: And Jaime, where would people look for you? On Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And Mark? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. All right, I'm Timitra,
3: Mitra. T-I-M-M-A-T-R-A on Twitter, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. And we'll see you guys next week.
1: Later. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Hey, if you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. Hey, if you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you could also write a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. And if you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button now. I'll wait. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. The podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. Thank you so much for listening. Love you guys. good show i like how it's a little bit shorter i like it when the picks are short mm-hmm. when i'm listening to the show
2: 27 of them yeah
1: and they're not 27 sorry jaime it's just a thing
2: um that was uh that was an arms race between me and greg he, he started I know. It at some point
1: can yeah. let's end it let's end it it's madness yeah. we
0: need, um, the, need the moderator to take better control over that that's for sure <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah so how about yeah. the blue jays hey eh, aaron
1: Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. Yes, yep. i very pleased.
0: I have to, go, was... have to go to Texas now, though, right?
1: Yep, yep. Texas I'm going to take those guys that's down tough. again. Ooh, That'll be tough. Well, yeah. tough on them, I think. You think? I think the ones that oh. karate choppers? Or the, the Indian choppers? Tomahawk. The... You're talking about tomahawk? the Tomahawk. That's, that's Atlanta. Yeah, You're thinking that's of nineteen ninety two. Okay, right. Yeah, um, the, we faced Atlanta? them in playoffs last year for the ALDS. Same right. series right. that we're yeah. playing this one. And um, a yeah. little bad blood between the teams, i got to tell you. that's true that's true yeah yeah by the way just you know
3: for people who are listening to the show we don't normally throw stuff on the field at other players and in fact i think the the there's a tweet going out right now they've they've identified they've got a picture of the guy and they're trying to identify who he is so right the the, class uh, a jerk the international manhunt yeah it's begun pretty much yeah
1: he came down do not like him at all
3: no no very unsportsmanlike. Well, I mean, like, so what do they do in cases like that? Like when when a player or a fan interrupts the game, it costs the team, the home team, doesn't it? Somehow. Well, um, if if the
1: bottle had made contact and Hinsu Shu had missed the ball as a result, or even yeah. even maybe missed the ball as a result of being missed by the bottle, um, yeah. he still would have had an out recorded there. I think that's fan really? interference. Oh, okay. Had he been injured and the umpires decided that the the game was not safe anymore they they may have forfeited the game in baltimore's favor wow that would have been a pretty (laughs) extreme example but uh thankfully that didn't happen
0: yeah especially in a one-game playoff no kidding that would have been something else yeah yeah wasn't there there a case uh, involving baltimore actually with the with a fan reaching out and catching a ball and that allowed the yankees to win the Win some championship series or something like that. A few years back,
2: huh. indeed, yeah. And uh, was it? Hey, it might have been more. Was it Roberto Alomar? Who? Who? Somebody? Yeah, yeah. There's somebody real distinct who maybe is not as distinct as I think because I can't remember the name. I remember their face. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them being super angry at that because the fan is able to reach over the wall and and pluck the right. ball out of the air before he can get to it. To which I say, well, mm-hmm, don't build mm-hmm. your stadium where people can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they can reach it without, you know, falling into the field, I think that's, you know, that's nice. It's a, it's yeah. a home run at that point.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, I, oh. That rings a bell, but I don't know uh, what that was.
0: There was a similar one in, in Chicago for the Cubs where the guy caught the ball and it actually caused the home team to lose. Right? Hmm. Right. Remember that right. one? That was that was mm-hmm. one of the Curse of the Cubs items. I don't wow. know the details of yeah i
2: also remember that guy's face and he felt really really bad and somebody bought the ball yeah. and they ritualistically burned it to try to cleanse themselves of, of that problem <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see if it worked this year right, Cubs, right. Cubs yeah, are looking i don't know good. yeah but it's, it's it's not the same they should have won last year in 2015 and we mm. could have had the back to the future part two prediction come true mm. yeah which is oh is that part of the part of the, the sports book it, it it happens when Marty goes in and he talks to some like random dude and they're like, I can't believe the cubbies won. Like, what? The cubs yeah. won the, the World Series? Which was unthinkable then in the nineteen eighties mm-hmm. and until very recently <laughs> still somewhat unthinkable. Wow. Crazy. Sports ball. All right, All right All guys, I'm
1: gonna check out. Have a great week.
2: All right. Yep. See you right next time. Bye. Ciao. You know the the funny thing about Lester Holt hosting was the aftermath when John Lester, the baseball player, started getting angry tweets sent in his direction when people thought he was oh. moderated. Just up oh, really? Yeah,
0: it's funny.
2: Nice. It's like uh, Justin Williams, you know, the the iOS developer, getting the yeah. Justin Bieber fans tweeting at him because they got the wrong one. Well,
3: apparently, some guy today on on Twitter was uh, named his handle is Pixel, right? Mm. And, uh, yeah, so apparently oh. uh, somebody sort of said fortuitous that you've got this, this handle. And he's like, yeah, isn't that cool? And I'm thinking, buddy, you have no idea.
0: 10,000 spam tweets later. No, it's not cool yeah. anymore. Yeah,
3: exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We're in the park. Hey, I got a question for you. just, Diane just asked me a question about the, you know, the camera microphone permission thing. Yep. She said she deleted the deleted the app and then she reinstalled it and it didn't ask for camera and microphone pers- permissions again. But I think it only ever
2: asks for that once, right? Uh,
3: like if, if you delete an app. If no, if you
2: deleted it, it's supposed it, to it caches it. it caches stuff, and I forget. If all the permissions act the same, um, push notifications are are the weird, twitchiest ones. Yeah, push Um,
0: notifications that you have to delete the app and then set your clock back 24 hours, right? Yeah, yeah. So you might be be in that caching
2: period if it's not working the way that you want it to.
0: Yeah, maybe. But,
2: uh, I mean, the apps can can throw up the little, like, take me to the settings thing that will take them straight to the settings for your app, and then they can just flick the little green switch and be done with it.
0: So, are you getting the uh, the rejection from when you try to submit an iOS 10, or the crash? Rather, it's a crash now. And yeah. Was
3: well, just- Diane just did it on her phone. She said she did. She always does, I don't know when she I don't know what she does when she tests, but I think she just tests with bills from test flight, right? hmm um, But she said she tests. She her email says I deleted the, deleted the app and downloaded again. and It crashes when you tap the camera in photos. Which is awesome. So I'm gonna, but she has Xcode on her machine now that she's doing stickers, right? So I can get her to send me a log at least, right? Yeah.
0: I, no, <laughs> I, I, I had exactly this problem as soon as I went to iOS 10. Yeah. yeah. Um, any app, so you need to have those those um. Yeah, permissions. Uh, permissions in the in the info plist for for the yeah. I, them now. Yeah, I did. I
3: yeah. did have to. I had to add those in for. Um, for the last couple of builds, you know, it was really weird. Like, I probably should tell the story, but yeah. So when I went to submit the app the other day, uh, well, so I, as I mentioned before, Diane decided to go ahead and do a sticker pack, right? Yeah. And what she didn't realize is that for this many years that we've been publishing the app, I'm I'm the I've been acting as you know using the I created the the CSR, right. and so it's my machine that has been right. uploading to the store, right? Yeah. Um So when she did that innocently she went in and hit you know uh, xcode or whatever you do and it ended up um killing my permissions right
0: oh but or, there's in ios 10, uh, 10 or xcode 8 rather there's this new uh, feature that automatically, just automatically click a button. yeah you just yeah, you have to sure. click a switch you click a click a box i'm calling
3: bs on that box
2: it works for me it worked yeah it, it it worked for for me so you know i was the only one who who really needed yeah. the yeah. the permissions I had the csr and everything but we wanted to make sure that um, yeah, You talking about the automatically
3: automatically manage Xcode thing? I had to yeah. actually, I had to uncheck those to submit the apps.
2: For, so mine, we didn't ha- since it was a new app, we didn't have the team set. So I yeah. I checked the box to say you know let Xcode take care of this, and then yeah. I chose the right team. Since you had an existing project, I imagine you might have to like uncheck and then recheck and put it back yeah, on the team. Yeah, what, what I
0: have to do, what I have to do is if if you have any any entitlements, yes, that you had set, uh, yeah. In in the portal before, yeah. But you didn't set them in the capabilities inside Xcode. Right. right. So oh, okay. then, when you turn when you turn that on, it it's not talking to the portal anymore. It just grabs them from capabilities. So your right. entitlements aren't set right. You, first thing you need to do is set all those entitlements. But then you have the old provisioning profile still in yes. in your Xcode. You have to delete that old provisioning yeah. profile for yeah. it will work. Then okay, it works. So- fun.
3: So let me explain to you what happened, because you, 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 exactly this, you just described exactly the scenario I had without knowing the solution, and uh, that was right. when I, went, when I went, go to submit from iOS 8 right now, it says I have five entitlements, right. even though I could see all eight entitlements in the provisioning profile. Because I downloaded that thing we talked about on the show a thousand years ago about yep. um, how to how to see what's in your provisioning profile. Right. Anyway, um, I forget who. it so from, it's but...
0: so it's grabbing the wrong provision profile.
3: But but the app is behaving normally on once it's on the app store. Like, you know, push notifications are working. You know, all the other stuff is working except for like like you said, maybe this this camera thing may be a bug, right? Uh, and that may be a result of that because, like you said, we probably have a camera um capability provisioning mismatch right
0: well no the camera thing the camera thing is just uh remember remember in like xcode 7 or 8 or whatever they they suddenly have to add all these all these uh things in the p list to 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 the code the 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 text to show when you're asking for things yes yeah well now for whatever reason they just suddenly decided you need that as well for photos Yeah. yeah and it actually crashes if you don't have that
3: right right
0: so that's the new photos thing. Well, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. so just adding those it, fixed it.
3: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, so so hang on a second though. So coming back to that thing about the who can send to the app store
0: now um, anyone can. You just need a developer profile.
3: So there's no it's not like the agent can be the only one that can send anymore. Or?
0: Nope,
2: nope, no. So you don't have to do the thing of like right. I better export my developer profile because if
0: this well, machine we, explodes, yeah, we- I'm really hosed. Right, yeah, and we you don't we have did. to share the distribution profile either anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, yes, the thing is, that, that was the only way we could get it to work, because I went to her right. house the other day, and, and we, we exported her profile and imported it into my machine, then that's how I was able to submit apps to the App Store. Yeah. yeah so, so, so I'm, like I said, I'm calling BS on that little checkbox, but, you know, till I see yeah. it work. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Did you do a clean? <laughs> yes, I did
3: a clean. <laughs> Didn't you know, you starting,
2: we, re, restarting Xcode and restarting your machine yeah. are often the steps you have to take before. Well, I, I also, I also
3: often find it helps if you wipe the monitor with a damp cloth. Yeah. <laughs>